The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily state or reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 17th of September, 2022. I'm your host, Bad Billy, and I got a great show lined up for you as I normally do. Yes, indeed. So coming up in just a little bit, you're going to hear an interview with Jeff LaSawyer of a band called Voodoo Moonshine. Yes, indeed. Him and I had a good conversation, which you're going to hear in just a little bit. In the second hour, of course, uh, as you know, I didn't have a show last week. Uh, had to take care of some things. So uh, the second hour was uh, an interview that was meant for last week. Of course, I'm talking with Jericho Green and our good buddy Ringside Robert talking about uh, raising the minimum wage in California and the effect it's going to have. In the third hour, I got Brett Sessoms out of Mississippi talking uh, more about uh, what's going on in South Africa. Before I get to any of that, I want to cue the first song of the show. This is Voodoo Moonshine and Give It To Me. Be right back after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. Now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio. Yeah. 
thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. I'm a proud member of the LGBT community. Liquor Girls Baseball and Tacos. Mr. Holland, Mr. Holland, over here, over here. Ma'am, ma'am, please keep it in your pants. Words of power. They have meaning. A people which is able to say everything becomes able to do everything. Freedom of speech. Freedom of expression. Right to free speech. It guarantees everyone a voice. In 1852, Frederick Douglass spoke out against the injustices of slavery. In 1873, Susan B. Anthony argued the prejudice of voting laws. In 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. helped to end segregation laws. These voices changed history. Make your voice heard. For more information, visit www.freedomofspeechpsa.com. 
So you go into your sporting goods or firearms store to get that gun and ammunition you've been wanting to buy, only to find out that the store doesn't have it. Worse yet, the shelves are bare. They're empty. Ugh. Well, that's why there's GunBroker.com. You want it? GunBroker.com's got it. Guns, gun parts, ammo, ammo storage, reloading equipment, binoculars, scopes, sights. Did I mention guns? Pistols, rifles, handguns, shotguns, machine guns, paintball guns, archery supplies, tools, jewelry, watches, even musical instruments and gear. Yes, GunBroker.com has those too. I'm telling you, they have it all. There are even auctions where you can bid on certain items. The folks at GunBroker.com know their stuff. They've been in business for over 20 years with over 6 million happy registered users. Why not become one of them? GunBroker.com. Go there. Check it out. Register today. It's 100% free. GunBroker.com. GunBroker.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliated with My Patriot Supply. Are you prepared for the next unplanned emergency? As we speak, inflation is rising and the grocery store shelves are stocked less and less every day. The time to prepare is now. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com, visit the store section, and click on the My Patriot Supply banner and purchase yourself some buckets of delicious gourmet food with a 25-year shelf life. You can also purchase other essential supplies you can use during times of unplanned emergencies. Supplies such as the Alexa Pure water filtration system, first aid and medical supplies, solar power supplies, and much more. Again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Visit the store section and click on the My Patriot Supply banner. Don't be left in the dark. Get yourself and your family prepared for the next unplanned emergency today. I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Give It To Me by Voodoo Moonshine, and it is my pleasure to be joined by Jeff LaSawyer, the guitarist. How you doing, brother? I'm all right. How you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Thank you very much for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, basically, my first question, uh, for those who are not uh, familiar with uh, Voodoo Moonshine, why don't you uh, give a little background, uh, tell the listeners a bit about the band. Um, I started the band back in 2003. Uh, we put out our first CD in 2005. Uh, it, it did pretty good uh we were busy until around 2008 took a break in 2009 and um a couple of years off you know um ended up uh, recording the a version of uh, this album in 2011 and uh with some other guys and uh thought I was done with it and just kind of shelved it, didn't even, you know, push it, didn't do anything with it, and um, kind of went about life, you know, didn't, uh, wasn't looking to work musically, you know, after I was done with the CD, I was just content that it was done, and about, I don't know, about three, three and a half years ago, uh, I started getting some uh, 
some messages, uh, emails. I was checking the old uh, band accounts and had a, uh, a well-known manager had messaged me and I didn't think much of it. And then um, about a week later, a well-known producer messaged me and I talked to him and uh, I thought, this is really weird. This is, you know, 10 years later after this album. And uh, I, I guess I might need to start looking for new guys, you know, and that's pretty much how it came about. You know, the, the band, I had a real long break in between, you know, the first album and this one. And, uh, you know, so I found my new guys and, uh, you know, then, then COVID hit. So it gave us time to, to uh, get everything in order, you know, redo the, the album. Uh, you know, work on our business and, and videos and stuff. And, um, you know, so after all that time, we, that the CD was finally released, uh, you know, back in February and, and here we are now, you know, I thought it was done a long time ago. Yeah. Yes. I mean, well, uh, when that, uh, when you start this and then you think you're done and you get the itch again, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. It's not something you can easily walk away from. Well, I easily did, you know, and then I, I just out of the blue, you know, things kind of came back up, you know, and then I couldn't easily overlook them, you know, and I'm glad things happened the way they did, you know, because uh, this album and these songs have done better than anything we'd ever done before with our first album. Well, let me rephrase that. Uh, you can't easily stay away from it. That's that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, so I was uh, reading your bio a little bit there, and uh, originally out of Memphis. Yeah, that's when I uh, that's, I put the band together. I had I had been out in L.A. Uh, I had a uh, management deal. Uh, went out out in the heyday of the eighties, you know, in eighty nine. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just a, a nightmare out there. You know, I mean, there was competition was just too much. <laughs> oh, and and yeah. the, uh, you know, the business people were just so full of crap. And um, so I, I left, you know, after I fired management and got out of the deal, I left and my singer stayed for another year or two. Um and I headed towards Memphis. I just didn't want to go back to L.A. I didn't like, you know, I liked what was coming out of Memphis, you know, uh, Tora Tora and Roxy Blue and, you know, more, more, more bluesy, you know, yeah. rock. And, metal. and uh, so I headed to Memphis. And um, so that's where I started it up. My singer out in L.A. ended up moving to uh, Minnesota. You know, and I'd been with that guy for years. Um, you know, so he ended up being the original singer for Voodoo Moonshine. He finally wised up, I guess, and retired, you know, like in 2009 after when we both needed breaks, you know. Um, after the first album, we were busy, like I said, for a few years. And uh, I needed a couple of years break. And he just he, now he's got a 401k in retirement and he's the one that uh it got out quick you know <laughs> yes 
Now, I had to bring that up because uh, I myself, I lived in Memphis for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, best damn barbecue, I must say. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. You know, I broke down in Memphis. I actually broke down in Memphis. I mean, I knew I was heading in that direction, you know, uh, the Memphis Rock and, and Nashville, you know, just the rock from that part of the country. And, uh, and I had been in Oklahoma where I'm from after LA, you know, to visit my family. And I just got in my van and it's like an eight hour ride from Oklahoma to uh, Memphis. And it took me seven days because uh, my van kept breaking down. I finally blew my motor in Arkansas and I was stuck there for days. And finally, when I hit the Memphis first Memphis, uh, summer Avenue exit in Memphis, my transmission went out and I'm like, I, I just got to go to a bar and have a drink. And, uh, you know, it was, I, I thought it was pretty cool. So I just ended up staying, you know, I really had no direction of anything other than I just got in my van with my, with my gear and, and headed that way. Did you uh, ever play any gigs on Beale street? Yeah. And yeah, we played, uh, we had a showcase at, uh, the new Daisy. Actually, I did a, uh, I used to do a benefit show for uh, Montel Williams for the uh, MS Foundation, and uh, the second one we did it at the New Daisy. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, that's actually uh, I think that's the last show I've played in Memphis. And that was you know, kind of probably two thousand one, maybe two thousand two, somewhere in there. Yeah. Now, I moved there for a short period of time in uh, 2006. So, I mean, uh, I I have to wonder if our paths ever cross, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, well, I think by 2006, I was out of there, I think, because I'd slowly crept, you know, further up towards Nashville and, and stuff like that. You know, towns, I was living in Murfreesboro. Uh, okay. Memphis. Memphis was cool when I got there, and then it just started getting really bad with crime, and uh, the music scene was just dying off because, you know, I mean, it was it was a dead scene there for a while everywhere, you know, um, and uh, so I just, you know, left again because <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah, Memphis is unfortunately pretty bad with crime. I mean, I got I I was robbed there, you know, yeah. not, not a gun pointer and knife point, but I was. I was uh, I was coming coming home uh, from uh, taking a trip uh, to to one of these uh, to one of those mini malls out there uh, outside of Germantown. Yep. And uh, of course, at the time, I didn't have a vehicle, so I I, I get off the uh, their slowest old public transportation and walk across the street, and I'm holding this bag. Somebody just ran right up beside me and just snatched it right out of my hands. And then yeah, I had, I had a, I was actually, my house was when my first apartment was broke into. Uh, and they wiped out a bunch of uh, equipment. Uh, and then a house I lived in was robbed. And actually the external drive with all the audio files for the first album uh, got stolen in that, in that uh, robbery too. So, yeah, I um, I don't miss that part of Memphis, you know. No, like I said, I miss the barbecue, and I mean the whole of Tennessee is like, uh, you know, some some of the birth 
the birthplace of great, great music. You know, I mean, you got Elvis was from that area, but you got BB King. And then of course, whether you go to Nashville for some country or you go out further to uh, Knoxville for some bluegrass. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, I was living in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville uh, about six years ago before I relocated here to Georgia. And, um, I liked that area. I thought it's uh, pretty cool. Actually, we're going to be in <laughs> we're going to be in Nashville on the twenty second and the twenty third of October. We're playing a show at the JMA Fest in Nashville, and then the twenty uh, third, uh, we're up for uh, three awards at the Josie Awards in Nashville, and uh, we're actually going to be at the Grand Ole Opry House. I would have never thought, you know, being a rocker. Oh, wow. There. But we're up for uh, Fans' Choice Award, um, Album of the Year, and Single of the Year, I believe, or Video of the Year. I can't remember. But so we're going up there next month. Uh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I I for, I got to ask you first off, uh, where's the the title, uh, the the name of the band, Vo Voodoo Moonshine? Where does that come from? I don't know, man. I'm a uh, you know, when I got to when I got to uh, Memphis and, you know, like I said, that more bluesy and like you said, you know, Bill Street and the the B.B. Uh, King blues and, you know, the tour tour and the rock, you know, blues rock. Um, you know, originally my thoughts of this band were I, I write usually on acoustic, even the heavy songs. I usually just I, I just go to the acoustic first and uh, a lot of what I was writing most of what I was writing was you know because I'm so influenced by the singer songwriter 70s era you know Jim Croce and, and that uh, you know those type of guys um, good stuff the songs I was writing was acoustic stuff so it was like kind of back porch boogie campfire songs and um so, uh, you know, what I had in mind and what I was writing was, you know, that kind of Zeppelin-y, eerie, you know, voodoo-y, you know, with with the taste of swamp, you know, moonshine. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was, it, it popped in my head one night and, and I put the words together and it just stuck, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, you know... As I'm listening to your music, too, I mean, uh, I hear sounds that I miss that uh, I can't say they're dead, especially with guys like uh, like Mike LaPond, who I've had on the show before. If you've heard of him, he's, uh, you know, former uh, guitarist of uh, Symphony X. And uh, mm -hmm. he works with also works with Ross, the boss of Man of War. You know, he likes to preserve the classic sound of heavy metal. What heavy metal was back in the 80s and i hear the same thing from you guys you know whether you, you know you it'd be the hair metal the you know the glam metal or or even uh, the harder stuff like uh pantera or, or metallica but i hear you guys just trying to keep that spirit alive not very many people are doing it but well yeah you know it's uh i mean we fall under the umbrella of of heavy rock you know um and I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm more influenced by songs than individual bands, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And I think, uh, you know, so we're always going to be under that uh, umbrella of rock and even maybe, you know, that the 80s metal before it got saturated with eyeliner and, and hairspray. Um, but I, we, we try to have each song kind of different. You know, if you listen to the album, each song has a different vibe to it. You know, one might be a little bit more bluesy. One might be a ballad and, you know, have orchestration and another one might be fast and heavy, you know, and that's what we want to keep it at. You know, we're already right for the next album. And, and I think, um, you know, I, I, when I talk to everybody in the band, you know, past and definitely now, you know, I'd like for us to keep the mentality of Zeppelin, the Eagles and Queen to where you can write whatever you want. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a polka, it doesn't matter if it's country, if it's heavy, you know, I really don't want to be boxed in into one thing. No, and, um, so, you know, I mean, and we're all influenced by different things, our bass players, and, they, you know, I think he's in another side band that's just like Thrash, you know, Pedro's real jazz, and I like, uh, you know, Southern rock, so it whatever we come up with if we dig the song we're going to do it you know i don't want to be labeled anything really yeah yeah just got kind of uh be independent that way that's the best way to be and, yep. you know i mean i gotta tell you it's just one thing uh back back in uh, the mid 2000s also um before i moved to memphis i was actually living in pennsylvania and i went to go see poison in hershey and, um, you know, I mean, Poison's probably not my favorite, but, I, you know, I enjoy them. I, I think they're good. But uh, when I when I arrived to the venue, just the, and Cinderella had opened for them, it was like, I, I see all these girls, you know, with the, some of them, uh, of course, not my generation, but still trying to look the part. And yeah. that, that smell of hairspray that I I remember back when I was a kid. And I'm like, it, it just it was just brought back the fondest memories. I got to tell you. Yeah, it's uh, you know it for the longest time. It's the you know it was the kiss of death to be compared to any '80s metal. You know, to be compared to anything from the '80s. You know, uh, after Nirvana changed the landscape of music. Um, you know, but I don't, uh, I think back, man, and, you know, some of the best musicians and songwriters come out of the 80s. What made it ridiculous is is the hairspray and, and the makeup, the way it was getting, you know, at the end before it came to an end. And um, I wasn't ever that way. You know, my singer, my original singer, he was that poison guy. And I was the blue jeans Tesla guy. Um and that's just, you know, what I wanted it to be about. I, I want us to look good on stage, especially at our age. You know, it's kind of hard. So, um, but the whole hair to the moon and, and the uh, lipstick and stuff, I, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, what it wasn't for everybody, but uh, I it's not so much the looks I enjoyed. I enjoyed the music, and, and I still do to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, back then it was about good times and having fun and enjoying life. And, you know, and that's that's what, 
you know, I want us to write about too. I mean, I don't want to listen to music to hear about the world's problems. I'm living them, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that does bring me to one other question. One of your, one of your songs I just absolutely love is um, locked and loaded. I love how you guys started it out with the star spangled banner. And then, you you know you just you just hit it really hard with some powers ain't locked and loaded. So yeah, I I'd like to ask, uh, what what was the inspiration behind that song? Oh uh, well, I mean you could look at it a, a few different ways. I mean I see that that song was originally on the first album, and we were short uh, one song uh, for this album. And, um, you know, as I said, the external drive uh, from my files from the first album had got stolen. So we were, we were one song short and I had sent Pedro a, a CD with the files for Locked and Loaded uh, in the beginning. And I had forgot about it. And he asked for the lyrics one day and I sent them to him and uh, he sent them back and said, there, now, now we're done. Um, so it was a fluke that it's on the album again. But uh, originally, you know, we had sent that song off to uh, it, it was used overseas when they were uh, having more time and stuff. It's uh, it's not a political song, but it's a song about just kicking ass, you know, and the, the reason that I wanted the national anthem and the air raids and uh, at the beginning of this version is because of all the political stuff that had been going on in this last couple of years, you know, regardless of what anyone's beliefs are, you know, um, there's all kinds of crap going on, you know, As within the U S yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's why I put the, uh, the air raid and the national anthem. This song is basically just about finding what you want to find and, and standing for it and, you know, fighting, you know, tooth and nail, you know, and that's, that's it, regardless of whether it's political, physical or anything, you know, it's just about uh, being ready and prepared to uh, kick ass. Well, I think D. Snyder said it best when uh, he was at that uh, court hearing with the, uh, Whatever it was, you know, the PMRC. Yes, yes. You know, when he said music, it just, uh, you know, you put it to the imagination, you put it to what you want, you know, and, um, well, that's it. I mean, you could have heard, you, you could listen to Locked and Loaded and get a totally different view of it as opposed to what I really meant by it. My job as a songwriter is to write it with a specific point but kind of vague enough where you can interpret things yourself and come up with it. You know what I mean? I mean, love, sex, death, all those things everyone can relate to uh, and bad attitudes. So you try to write without being a specific subject matter sometimes. Um, that way you can interpret your way. And then you think, you know, you your opinion about us, you may think we sound like Skid Row. The next guy may think we sound like Van Halen. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So I want that to be yeah. with each song, too. To it, you know? And um, that, that's that's what we're trying to do, you know? 
You know, one of, one of the best examples I think I can give, give on that, too, um, is uh, almost a year ago, I interviewed a gentleman named Thomas Crane out of Florida, and uh, he he had came out with a song and video called uh, Monsters Walk Among Us, and basically the video is uh, he, he plays a serial killer, and uh, he based it off of natural-born killers, but decided to make jokes out of it, too, where in the end, this serial killer runs for president and wins. And, mm-hmm. I, and uh, you know, he meant it to be a joke, but I'm thinking monsters walk among us. He's running for president. That's what our government is. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty messed up, you know. Um, but that is a good storyline and a good twist. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so what, he... he he just strictly meant it to be a joke and uh, you know me and probably a few others saw something different that's a, how music works the magic of music right there that's right yeah uh, i got to ask too i mean uh, you you guys you guys had, had some pretty good success too at uh, uh any uh any any big names uh, you had the opportunity to uh, share the stage with or tour with uh, yeah, last year uh, we played with uh, Texas Hippie Coalition. Oh. I think it was in Ohio. Oh, there. Uh, we played with uh, Saliva. We actually, actually, so I, I was wrong. We did play in Tennessee, um, in Bristol, Tennessee, with Saliva. Also, um, you know, or the booking agents are trying to work on more shows. You know, opening or or support shows like that right now. Uh, so far. So far, that's it, though. You know, we've been um, real kind of picky about shows. We're not going to just play in every bar. I mean, it's not it's not really beneficial. You know, we've been focusing on the album and and the uh, the PR and the the videos and you know trying to establish business beyond just the scope of playing. And, and you can't really do a whole hell of a lot playing in a small dive bar. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, the fact that you, you know, we, uh, so we're going to, we're going to be a little bit more selective and then try to get on with some good support, uh, shows opening up for some good bands. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you mentioned, uh, saliva, I was actually expecting to hear that. Yeah. That was a good show. Those guys are still, still great, man. Yeah. Yeah, even though I, I know they changed their lead singer. And uh, I actually, yeah. while I lived in Memphis, I actually dated a girl who actually uh, met Josie. And I'm just not, I'm just going to leave it at that because she didn't have good things to say. <laughs> Josie used to work the door at, uh, at Platinum Plus, which was like the biggest strip club in Memphis. And uh, I mean, the guy definitely uh, was a character. He's. I remember seeing him at the stage top, and uh, I used to work with Chris DeBaldo, the guitar player, when I worked at uh, Uni Distribution, with, which was Universal and Geffen Records. Uh, we worked together right before they got signed, and uh, they had a great vibe, man. They put on a hell of a show. Josie put on a good show, too. Bobby, the new singer, man, he's he's. I think he's a better singer, you know, um, vocally. Uh, but he's uh, 
he puts on a good show as well. I mean, those guys are good. They've been together forever, you know. Yeah. Like the bass player's been in three platinum selling bands, you know, so they're they're a good band. God. Yeah, it's been a little over 20 years since I I bought their first CD and God, I'm not I'm even seeing myself on camera and now looking at this gray in my beard and I'm like, wow, it's how time flies, huh? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it does. Yes. Yes, indeed. So uh, I got to ask you one of, one of my favorite questions now. Um, now, this this doesn't matter if uh, you're playing some – if you played some, uh, some dirty dive bar, some shithole out in the middle of nowhere, say Kentucky or whatever, and that holds a maximum capacity of about uh, 25 people if you're lucky, or say you booked out Madison Square Garden. Venue doesn't matter. What is the craziest thing you think you've witnessed while performing on stage? Uh, I don't know if it was the craziest thing, but uh, you know, me and my original singer were out in L.A., and, um, you know, this culture shot going from Oklahoma straight out to L.A. Um, with our deal. And, um, you know, so we thought we were big fish in Oklahoma. You know, we got out to L.A. and we we're, of course, uh, single at the time. And, uh, you know, so we played this place. I can't remember what it was called, but um, there's a lot of hot chicks there. And, you know, of course, being young and single, we were just trying to hit on every single one of them, and none of it was taken. It was just not – we were just striking out left and right. And um, we started playing, and then I just happened to look around and realized it was a lesbian bar because the, the <laughs> girls were kissed. I'm like, it right there. Ended up <laughs> writing a song on the first album about it called Ain't My Type. But – it's not that that was really weird. It was just kind of, I guess, a blow to the ego, you know, but it explained it pretty well, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. like I said, I get different answers to that question, and I haven't heard yeah. one like that. Yet. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's great. I mean, and I, I, I get some dandy answers to that, so that's, that's, that's definitely not the worst I've heard. Yeah. But uh, definitely something different, something that – Got me laughing, of course. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, you did. You did mention, of course. You said you're selective on uh, gigs and tour dates and things like that. Uh, is there anything you you can give away that's uh, coming up in the near future? Well, like I said, next month we'll be uh, playing at the. JMA Fest in Nashville, October twenty second. Right. Yeah, and then, then, like I said, the next day is the award show for the three awards we're up for. Uh, we have, uh, I think we've got a couple. Uh, we got a couple of shows in uh, March in Florida, and then we're just trying to fill dates before then. Obviously, um, you know, we we just did a couple of shows in Florida actually uh, in August. Um, you know, like I said, we um, last year, you know, we had spent a lot of time going up to Indiana, Ohio and, you know, places, long travels for a one off show. You know, even if it was to 
open for Texas Hippie or, or Saliva. And, you know, the routing, it wasn't worth it because, you know, expenses exceed the earnings, you know, sometimes. Uh, so before we go do all that again, we're going to, you know, the booking agents are trying to get everything lined up. Um, but as of now, you know, we got October in Nashville and then uh, two shows in uh, Florida. Uh, I believe it's Daytona, Daytona, Florida at Bike Week. So with the exception of uh, L.A., because I, I, you've already expressed how you felt about that. Uh, you ever make it out west um, at all? With this band playing any shows? Yeah. No, we haven't. No, we hadn't played. Now, this band, you know, even though I started the band so long ago, this is a this is a new band. You know, we've only uh, been with Pedro, the singer, for about three and a half years. Uh, Eddie, the drummer, for two. And then Hector's the baby, maybe a year and a half. Um, you know, so we're, we're still new. We spent, you know, a lot of that time to finishing up the album and getting the videos in order. So, you know, up until... You know, really last year, then, you know, we're, everyone's recovering from, you know, the, the corona shutdown. Uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of time to go anywhere and play. We actually were able to do the shows in Indiana, Ohio, and, and Tennessee before shit hit the fan, you know. Absolutely. So we're a new band, you know, really. Now, uh, one thing I do have to ask, uh, just a couple more questions here is uh, – since uh, we brought up COVID, this is a question I like to ask since the pandemic started is, uh, you know, obviously it's not over, but the worst is over. And, uh, you know, the world changed at that time, too. No, Nobody knew what to think, you know, and so it was, it was wear a mask, stay home, whatever, whatever you know. But, mm -hmm. uh, but hey, uh, what were the positives you think you got out of that time frame? Well, like I said, we were, uh, Pedro was finishing up the vocals. Um, we filmed, uh, you know, because you couldn't play out, uh, we ended up going in and filming a, um, like a five or six song studio, uh, live video. We, you know, we did some of the COVID videos. It gave us time to organize our business that, you know, we just set up in February with the new album. We finished up the album, you know, we shot a couple of videos, got all the CD layout on the, the merchandise plans and, and everything in order, you know, for business. So it didn't really affect us it's because we weren't a working band. We were trying to finish all that up anyway. So it actually it didn't affect us. It, it helped us, you know. Yes, yes. And uh, my final question uh, say a group of kids ages, uh, we'll say 15 to early 20s, approach you and tell you they're going to start a band. They want to break into the music business. What, what advice do you think you give them? Stay in school as long as you can and learn as much about music business as possible before you decide to do all that. And if you're going to do it, you might consider uh, becoming a music attorney as opposed to just a musician. I mean, the, the industry is so geared to the, it's not the music business anymore. It's the business of music. And um, there's so many ways that other people make money off of us way before we do. 
and you know we're the ones creating it um so you know not to tell them not to do it but don't depend solely on it you know always have a a backup plan and if you got to be in music you might as well learn you know the legal side of it first or, or you're going to probably end up being a a sad behind the the, the scenes you know what they call vh1 behind the stories sad case you know i mean because a lot of people don't realize how how much of a business it is and it's not an easy one oh no it's a I mean, as exciting as it may be, and you're doing what you want to do, at the end of the day, it's still a job. It's no different than owning a gas station or, or, or a restaurant or a convenience store. It's it's a business. <clears throat> you know, it's not like what they think it is when you were 18, you know, where you just pick up a guitar and it shows everywhere, chicks throwing themselves at you and money from falling out of the sky. It's not that at all. You have to, you know put all kinds of money in before you see anything um and it's a constant you know put it in to get it back put it in to get it back you know it's like anything else you know but while you're doing that you've got everyone else you know sharks that are trying to take money and keep money from you and make money off of you you know so you know i would i i wouldn't want oh no i lost him <laughs> see here mm -hmm. all right just uh some brief uh technical difficulties but i was gonna say jeff you know i i fully agree with uh with what uh what you were saying there especially you know and, and it doesn't matter what branch of entertainment whether it's sports or whether it's music or you're an actress actor uh whatever you know i mean me personally um you know i i I used to fight when I was in my mid to late twenties and uh, you know, that um, people think, Oh, that must be the coolest job. There's no stress involved, you know, but uh, the training for one thing, you have to, you have to train very intensely if you want to be a fighter mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and believe me, the sparring part, you, you have to spar with people that are so much better than you. And it's it's not fun when you have to go through that. Otherwise, you don't do it. You're not going to improve. And uh, then, of course, you know, there's like if if you're going to have a manager, you better make sure you have a damn good one. Otherwise, you're better off managing yourself because somebody's somebody's going to be right there to rip you off. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the way of the world. And it's just saturated in this business and in most of those businesses. Yeah. I mean, if somebody can make money off you by doing very little, they're going to do it. Oh yeah, yep. Sharks out there got to be got to be careful. <laughs> sure. Yep. Well, that's all the questions I have for you, Jeff. I want to thank you very much for joining the show. And uh, uh, before we wrap this up and go to a music set, uh, why don't you go ahead and give yourself a plug? Tell the listeners where they can find Voodoo Moonshine. Got a website, uh, social media iTunes, Reverb Nation, Spotify, and all that good shit. Well, follow that. <laughs> Go to voodoomoonshinerocks.com. Uh, you can 
just type in Voodoo Moonshine anywhere on the internet. You can find us on all those, food, uh, you know, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. I don't deal with any of those. Uh, Pina handles all that. So uh, I don't even really have to keep up with the addresses, unfortunately. You know, I don't know them all, but. Uh, You're a just smart man. Voodoo <laughs> uh, Moonshine, just type it in and it'll all come out. Yeah. And. Um... Should you ever come out west, whether you're anywhere in between Boise or Salt Lake City in that region, you have to let me know. Most definitely, most definitely. I appreciate you having me. All right, you take care. You too, buddy. All right, that's the interview with Jeff LaSawyer of Voodoo Moonshine. We're going to go to our first music set. Coming up, we have... Three more tracks by Voodoo Moonshine. Plus, we have Aaron Stoll and a new track from Tom McDonald in the mix. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, did you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth?
Hey, yo. Hello? Why are you messaging hey. my girlfriend on Facebook? What, you think you slick? What do you mean I'm messaging your girlfriend? I don't know your girlfriend. Look, I know damn well you know. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know your girlfriend. Oh, yeah, you're a little punk ass trying to ask my girl for filthy pictures, huh? For some titty pictures? Well, who the hell are you thinking you're getting out of your mind? Yeah, shut up. He says I'm asking for dirty pictures. Hello? Oh, yo, you got attitude now? Huh? Who you is talk this? Wait, oh, excuse me, sir. Who is this? Oh, no, I think we need a face-to-face -face meeting. Where you at, homeboy? Who is this? Who is this? We don't Let's go, homeboy. Where you at, huh? This is his wife. You've <laughs> just been pranked. Courtesy of prankowl.com. chance to talk he was sitting with someone else I tried to smile to cover up my hurt then I found myself running out the door got to the car just before I started to cry like he had died and I was never gonna see him again cause I Tip of a knife He 
I'm 
cops, white pack in the flesh. Oh yes, shovel rocks on my coffin, got a cop so I'm dead. No stress, hundred thousand fans coming to cut off your head. Slow death. Most illest singer, both middle fingers, thumb in the air. I don't care, tell them my ghost on cripple. Yeah. I ain't going chill, homie, sit down. sit down. I am still the biggest to the bitch now. I am independent, you are bitter and pathetic. When it's up, then it's up, then it's up. Come and get down. Everywhere I go, a riot. People crying. Everywhere you go, it's silent. Why so quiet? I show up and it's a riot. They excited. Where you go, ain't nothing like it. Why so quiet? Even if I never made a dollar again, I'm blessed. Never stop giving them bops, white pocket in the flesh. Oh, yes. Tell them that I swear to God I'll do it my way Grind it all my life, now every day is Friday Independent legend unheard of at my age Middle finger flipping, got scribbles on my face I will not go mainstream, dog, you know I hate pop I'll be screaming, fuck the industry until my veins pop That's a fake watch, the whole gang ops Ain't the same, stop, no one knows your name That's why you always got a name drop Most illest singer, both middle fingers Thumb in the air, I'm Chill, homie, what now? I am still the biggest, sit the fuck down. I am on the independent Mount Rushmore. You a fucking nobody, a legit clown. Everywhere I go, a riot. People crying. Everywhere you go, it's silent. Why so quiet? I show up and it's a riot. They excited. Where you go, ain't nothing like it. Why so quiet? I only do dope shit, so sick. Homie, why you capping? I'm a pop star, rock star. You and never has been. I do big things, wrist bling. You don't want this action, put you six feet deep. That's an underground rapper. Everywhere I go, a riot. People crying. Everywhere you go, it's silent. Why so quiet? I show up and it's a riot. They excited, and where you go ain't nothing like it. Why so quiet?
There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your Hunter Athletic Gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic Gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection, and speed. Battle after battle, Hunter Athletic Gear is the brand celebrating your victory. Hunter Athletic Gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies, including compression pants, fight shorts, hoodies, vests, caps, and bikinis. They can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business. Visit their website at hunterathletic.myshopify.com. Gear up and let's train. What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour un interrupted and uncensored information join our ctm family today join the movement join the fight for freedom and independence caravan to midnight is media for the people by the people independent of commercial obligations or influence for less than a cup of coffee per month you can make a difference let the people fund the next news network help us grow help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first join the family at caravantomidnight.com a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax. Do not take this lying down. The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Cancel culture has not only affected myself and MyPillow, but also millions of you out there. My employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for all your support. At MyPillow, we have hundreds of products now, including my new slippers, bathrobes, sleepwear, and my new beds. We are offering the best products ever for the best prices ever. Mike Lindell is a true patriot who loves America, and we support Mike. Please visit MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials box and use promo code OUTLAW for all Mike's great discounts. Or call 1-800-652-3982. And remember to use promo code OUTLAW. 
And now a message for the men. Listen up, guys. Fact. As we men age, our IGF-1 growth factor levels decrease, which can lead to gradual deterioration of energy, muscle growth, and immune function. From Neutronics Labs comes a line of health supplements that make men men again. Deer Antler Velvet. Listen. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet contains the most concentrated source of widely diversified nutrition found in the plant or animal kingdom. Choose from Neutronics Labs liposome spray products. From the Ultra 10,000 Nanograms Package to the Platinum 300,000 Nanograms Package. There are also specially formulated supplements for joint pain relief, more energy, better stamina, better natural sleep, stress relief, and weight loss. For more information about these amazing products, visit keys2life.shop. That's K-E-Y-S, the number 2, life.shop. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet Supplements from Neutronics Labs. Making men men again. Yo, baby, you've had your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? Fuck the shit. Fuck the fucking shit. Fuck shit. You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. Fuck shit. The shit is fuck shit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train, and Neutronics IGF-1, making men, men again. Songs you just heard, you just heard Voodoo Moonshine with Bring It Down. Before that, new track from Tom McDonald that was called Riot. Before that, Voodoo Moonshine with Round and Round. Prior to that, Aaron Stoll with Sharp Side of a Teardrop. And starting off the whole set, Voodoo Moonshine with Locked and Loaded. All right, in just a little bit, uh, it'll be time for Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk with Jericho Green and Ringside Robert. Before I get to that, it is time to reveal... The Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is, of course... Yes, I did a couple of videos about him on the Bearded Patriots Video Chronicles. Scott Balson, naughty Scotty Ballsack. Like I said in the videos, if you want to be an activist, that's great. But if you find somebody fighting for the same cause as you, um, you should try to work with them. Otherwise... Activism is not a competition. It's not a game of my dick is bigger than yours. So Scotty Balson gets pissed off when somebody else who fights for the same cause as him has a better following than he does. And he and his goons try to sabotage that person. What a fucking shame. All right, enough on that. Time for Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk with Jericho Green. And ringside Robert. Here we go. Outlaw Radio, conservative talk. I just want to tell you that America is the greatest place on earth. We will make America great again. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk starts now. All right.
right, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk, I actually have two guests, both out of the depths, uh, the, the sewers, the swamps, whatever you want to call it, of California. Of course, uh, if you uh, remember uh, back from the days when I was running the Badlands Combat Sports Radio Show, of course, uh, the one who always gave me the boxing news ringside, Robert, what's going on? Uh, hey, Billy, it's good to be back with you, and hello, everybody. And Yes, uh, even though I'm heavily into boxing and do boxing podcast, I'm also a political junkie, so I'm, I can fit right into this conversation. Yes, and this will be the first time you've actually done this, uh, had this conversation on the air with me. And, of course, my second guest, of course, uh, you know him, you love him, my, my fellow American jericho green what's going on brother yes uh, brothers and beards and uh thanks for having me man and uh, nice to be on here with you robert yeah thank you all right so uh the main topic of discussion uh jericho likes to say uh bang your wife but uh, i kind of kind of mellowed it out to uh paris newsom i say that because if you follow the the legend of the Trojan War, it was Paris who liked to sleep around with other people's wives, and then he slept with Helen and helped kickstart the Trojan War. So, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what he did. Yes. Um, so, yes, Paris Gavin Newsom. I mean, uh, from the stupid decisions that he's making from uh, banning fossil fuel vehicles to raising the minimum wage to $22 an hour. Now, Robert, I'm going to start with you. because I, I wanted to have both of you guys on because your incomes are rather significantly different. Jericho, Absolutely. Jericho, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you're kind of – the impression I get, you've got a pretty decent job and you're upper middle class. Yeah. Yes. I would say I finally arrived in upper middle class. It wasn't always that way, but I'm here now. Yes. Robert, you, on the other hand, are disabled and, That's on, right. and on a fixed income. First off, if you don't mind, you've done this before, but it, please explain what your disabilities are. Uh, well, I was born with uh, cerebral palsy, um, and that is a that is a, uh, a disability you normally get when you're born prematurely, and you either get not enough or too much oxygen. Well, in my case, um, I got too much oxygen, and it caused me to have cerebral palsy. Now, I don't have it as bad as some other people. Uh, the worst cases are severely in wheelchairs; they can't really do much for themselves. And they don't speak very well. Uh, people think people think when they run into somebody that severe, they think they they had a stroke. And nine times out of ten, it's not a stroke. It's it's the condition that they were left in at birth. That's why you see commercials on TV for if your child got diagnosed with uh, cerebral palsy at such and such a time, call. We might be able to get you financial support. That kind of deal. Uh, but on top of that, I was also born illegally blind, and again, it was 
because of premature birth. I was born exactly three months early to the day. Instead of being a nine-month birth, I was born at six months, two pounds, eight ounces, and have been small all my life. But, you know, I've, I've managed Billy to live a productive life. I've raised three kids. I've got six grandchildren, and I've had to do it always on a fixed income. Yes, yes. So, yeah, with him raising the minimum wage, that means, of course, more inflation. We're going to see small businesses just just crumble to dust. Um, you know, as for you, as somebody on a fixed income, and and, and of course, higher taxes. Um, what are what are your main concerns with you being on a fixed income? Because one thing I don't hear is people like you on a fixed income, whether they raise the taxes, raise the cost of food, raise the cost of rent, and uh, and just uh, kill small businesses. But your monthly check remains the same. Well, the only, the only benefit I'm going to get out of a out of a higher cost of living state, uh, Billy, is my Social Security uh, cost of living raise each year will be higher than most people because I live in, in such a very expensive state. But my, my main concerns if prices continue to rise uh, where I can't afford to pay my bills, I may have to move to a different state. I may have to try to find a state that is not so expensive to live in. He may, you know, and uh, I wasn't born in California, but I've lived in California most of my life. I've lived in other states. I even lived in Canada for a while. So I may have to consider other possible um, moves about living somewhere else if this person that is in our capital in Sacramento continues to raise things. I might have to leave the state where I've lived most of my life. He may force me to live somewhere else, and where that would be, I would have no idea at this time. Well, considering the fact, too, that bigger businesses and corporations have pulled up stakes out of California and have gone to states like Texas and elsewhere around the globe or the country, you know, maybe some around the globe, but uh, one thing is Oh, God, I hate to say this, but it just kind of seems you're better off in California than you were in Canada, considering yeah. considering the way that uh, uh, Fidel Trudeau or Justin Castro has, uh, has run that country. Uh, well, you could call him uh, any kind of name because uh, look, a lot of the a lot of the places in the U.S. have lifted all their COVID restrictions, but in Canada, that's not the case. Well, I, I know of several instances in Canada because I still communicate with people there. They're uh, they're basically still living under lockdown conditions. So, um, no, I'm glad I'm in the United States, even though even though California is trying to be run like a separate country. Like, uh, and uh, that's the problem when you put in these Democrats. They, you know, you give them the power, and they'll they'll use it to death. Yes. Now. Jericho, as for you, uh, be, being in the middle class, um, please uh, 
share your concerns about all this, what uh, Newsom has been doing. <clears throat> well, first of all, Gavin Newsom is the worst governor in the lower 48 by far. And like Robert was saying, you know, being forced to move, it's we don't have the the income of a Ben Shapiro or Tesla or Joe Rogan. These guys that just pick up and leave. It costs money to leave. And unless you're moving to Arizona, which is right next door or Nevada, you can't move to Oregon because that's pretty much the same state in California in every way. You know, you're going to have to go pretty damn far. And not only is it the cost of moving everything that far, setting up a new life there, acclimating to the weather. And all of this is under the umbrella of I didn't want to go in the first place. You made me leave. I didn't want to. I, I had to go. So now I'm forced into this situation. And it's just bad policy. That's the only thing that creates inflation in these horrible situations is bad policy and bad politicians. And raising people's cost of living, like you said when you started, it's going to crush the middle class or uh, the small businesses and the middle class eventually, but small businesses first because they may not have to mean the means to pay their employees $22 an hour. You can't legislate equality. If people are working at McDonald's and you're not either a teenager or an old person, you probably made some bad decisions. And to hear people like Bernie Sanders and people of his kind say that, well, why can't you raise a family for a four off a of minimum wage? Because it's called minimum wage. This is the lowest amount we can legally pay you without crossing over into slavery. That you're not supposed to be able to raise a family off of McDonald's money or whatever, whatever minimum wage job there is. That's usually to subsidize someone's income that's elderly or to help you break into the workforce as a young person. I worked at McDonald's when I was a teenager in high school, but fast forward today with my wife and kids, no, I should not be working at McDonald's or I have a minimum wage job. You just have to make better choices and sacrifice more until you get out of there and maybe hold off on having your family of four until after you're not working minimum wage jobs. And, but they don't care about the small businesses. All they care about are these lobbyists and these big corporations that pay their, their slush funds. That's all they care about. And people in Robert's situation where he has um, some disabilities, they don't care about them either. And not to mention just affecting your income, like, like the $500 you took to go grocery shopping for your family doesn't go as far. You're not getting as many groceries. And that might also cause people to make have to make poor decisions when it comes to food, because unfortunately it's expensive to eat healthy, organic food and shit like that. It's very expensive. And you're forcing people into these financial hardships that they shouldn't have to be in. You're forcing them to make decisions that they shouldn't have to make. I shouldn't have to contemplate leaving my home state because of incompetence. And all three of us here know that the more money you print up, the less it's worth. If you're flooding the market with something, no matter what it is, it's worth less. And unfortunately, we're still in a system where we need to rely on money and we need our money to go for. And at the same time, raising the minimum wage to $22 an hour and crushing the small business and squeezing the middle class. On top of all that, you're pushing us into this electronic utopia where you want us to drive Priuses. Well, those cost a shitload of money and you're making our money not go as far while you're pushing us into a more expensive 
lifestyle. The shit is ridiculous. And and also, let's not forget, Jericho, that uh, what uh, this does to big businesses and how it affects them. It's it's going to cut jobs because even the big big businesses uh, that uh, at one time could have a thousand plus employees have to cut down to maybe. 200 employees because they can't afford to pay them all. So they've got to go to kiosk machines and self checkouts. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just going to totally, totally destroy the job market altogether. Yeah. You, well, you Billy, people... this, this, this state has a, uh, all kinds of problems that we need to be concerned with. And he's focusing on electric cars or raising the minimum wage. How about the homeless problem that the state of California has? The reason why we have a homeless problem is he's made it very difficult for people to afford any place to live. Uh, if you want to rent, uh, hell, you can't even rent an apartment anymore uh, for under $1,000 practically. I mean, uh, uh, before you know it, uh, you think L.A. and San Francisco and places like that have a big homeless problem now? You jack up the prices to $22 an hour. You force people to buy expensive electric cars. You're going to have more and more people living on the damn streets. Yeah, that too. And the uh, the wildfire issue that we have in this in this state, which was man-made. They, they don't clear the underbrush in the forest, so you're basically putting tons and tons of dry fuel. I went uh, camping about a month ago and we got a handful of dried pine needles from the forest floor. It's like putting gasoline. The fire burns so hot and it burns so fast. So imagine someone spreading out metric tons of this in the forest. And with the homeless problem, not only are you making it financially tough for people to say off the street, but when they get on the street, you're incentivizing them to be on the street. We're giving you uh, places you can go shoot up uh, for free because we want you to do it clean and safe. You can steal up to $950 worth of stuff with no prosecution. Just, you know, uh, take it outside. And when they come back in, it's still another $950 worth of stuff due to the laws that have been passed. They're not allowed to stack those uh, cases to make to give them a stiffer sentence. So you have to take each each time they go in and steal $950 worth of stuff. That's a fresh charge. So they can steal the stuff, go outside, stash it, and come back and keep doing that all day long. And these have to be separate charges. They're not allowed to stack them and throw them away for a long time. So there's all these things that play into the destruction of California. And like you were saying, Billy, you start squeezing the big corporations nuts. Well, just like Bernie Sanders himself, he tried this $15 minimum wage shit they were pulling last time on his staffers. He just ended up cutting the hours. So he could say, yeah, I'm paying you $15 an hour, but now you're working 20 hours instead of 40. So you're going to force these corporations, these evil corporations, where now all of a sudden billionaires are evil, even though they employ most of the people in this country. So there's got to be some kind of middle ground. You can't beat these these corporations over the head and run them off because you're running the jobs jobs off with them, which I guess works into their their plans, because if you can't get a job, who are you going to turn to to take care of you? government? See it. And you have these Democrats like, of course, over in New York, uh, you know, uh, AOC, that stupid bitch, you know, and and Bernie Sanders, <laughs> both of them do not understand basic economics. 
oh, we're just going to have to tax the rich. Well, how many rich people are there, for one? And also, you start taxing the rich, and uh, they're going to pull out, uh, they're going to pull up stakes and get the hell out while they're still ahead and go somewhere else. And then who are they going to tax? Well, and keep another thing in mind, Billy. California has another problem that we have to deal with that most of the country doesn't have to deal with. We're a sanctuary state. You know why? Because people come over the damn border and they uh, they uh, set up shop here. And, uh, you know, California, Arizona, and Texas, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a couple other border states that, I, that I'm missing. But places like that, we have to deal with illegal aliens because, you know what? Uh, I'm a Democratic governor. We have Democratic senators. Uh, we don't want you to come in and clean up our state and get rid of all these illegals. We'll take as many as we can get. That's another problem that we Californians have to live with. Oh, yeah. yeah, with a with a ninety billion dollar budget surplus, they're giving insurance, health insurance, to illegals, no matter their status, no matter their age. And but we don't have enough facilities here to try to help the people get off the street who want to get off the street or to do something else with them if they don't want to get off the street. If they want that that on the street lifestyle, the drugs and the no job and not having to bathe, that's fine. But you can't stay here. You can't be out in these public spaces where we're just trying to live our life, go to the store, go to the park or we, we can't go to a certain park that my tax dollars are going to because it's riddled with homeless people and their element or not being able to walk down that path because there's a bunch of homeless people and their element because you can't do anything to them. When you put them, when you take them in, you're pretty much just a uh, revolving door. They go in, you take their picture, get their fingerprints, have a good day, and they go right back out. And then they reoffend because there's no punishment. It's just, we see it in children. We've all known kids growing up whose parents had no consequence. They're little shits. They got foul mouths that get in trouble because there's nothing to worry about. Mom and dad ain't going to do nothing. So if there's no consequence, of course, you're going to be on the street and terrorize the people who are trying to live their lives as normal citizens, because why not? And there's something they can do about it. $90 billion, guys, that's a lot of money. That's a whole lot of money. That's enough money to take care of these problems, but they don't because they get money for them. All these stupid programs, handing out heroin needles and building these facilities so they can come shoot up in safety, that costs money. Somebody's got to run it. Somebody's got to be in charge of it. So it just causes more bureaucracy, more money for them to skim off the top while the middle classes sit here saying, what the fuck? Yes. Uh, one thing I want to ask both of you, because you're both of you are in uh, different parts of California, of course. Jericho's more in the, in the Central Valley in Monterey. Uh, Robert, you're you're up north, uh, not too far from Mount Shasta in Redding. But That's correct. Yeah. See, I'm me being in Idaho. The uh, I'm looking at the petrol prices here. It's about uh, four sixty five where I live. But uh, starting with you, Robert, what's what's the gas prices uh, reading in your neck of the woods? Uh, last I heard, it was four ninety nine a gallon. I uh, now. Uh, it was as high as uh, what five twenty, five thirty, something like that. I, but my mom told me the other day when she went and got gas, it was four ninety nine. So Jericho, I'm sure where you live in Monterey, it's probably higher than that. <laughs> well, um, actually, last December I moved up near Sacramento, but yes, oh, okay, it would be more expensive. But even the closest gas station for my house, which is about 
a mile away and some change, it was up to six ninety nine a couple of months ago. Now it's down. You know, you can get it, like you said, about four ninety nine, something like that. The upper fours. But uh, yeah. I saw Chevron yesterday was still like five eighty nine. So you're still paying pretty high. You know, if you're on a trip and you got to pull over and get gas at one of these stations, yeah, you could pay through the nose still. But until it gets down to two dollars a gallon, it's not good enough. They can, and, yeah. you know, they, they do this shit all the time. They, they create the straw man. They jack the prices up super high, bring it down some or a considerable amount and then say, see, we're helping you. No, you're not. It's still too damn high. So until you get to two dollars or less, it's not good enough. Yeah, Jericho, I got to tell you about something. Um, it was uh, back in 2010 when my grandmother had passed away and I needed to go back to my original home, which you can actually see in the background there. That's where I'm originally from. Uh, you know, and I had to, we were going through, you know how that goes, you know, it's not just the funeral you got to deal with, but also you got to go through the, go through uh, the, the person's belongings and see mm -hmm. what to throw away and what to keep. And I, of course, I kept a lot of my stuff stored at my grandma's house. And I'm going through a bunch of old stuff and I've got some old pictures. And all of a sudden I come across these old pictures that I took when I lived in Manteca, California at the age of 14. And they were of the gas prices. When we're talking, uh, it was like uh, between 50 and 60 cents a gallon. Oh, man. I mean, those were the days, right? But wow. my uncle asked me to go take pictures of the gas prices because gas went up that day a full 10 cents. Oh. And now, and then I'm, I'm looking at these pictures and, I, and I'm thinking back to the gas prices in, in uh, 2008, uh, you know, when oh, it, yeah. it was pretty bad then too. And I'm like, wow, they were bitching about that. Just wait 30 years down the road. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, I remember as a kid, my parents were driving home complaining because gas had gone up to a dollar twenty-five a gallon when I was a kid. Like my dad was pissed; he was beside himself that gas was a buck twenty-five a gallon. I pray, I pray for double that. <laughs> yeah, or just oh man, just go back to the way it was. Oh, oh, those were the days. Yeah, how well, do we... people if people were that were alive back then wouldn't know how to deal with what's going on now. They'd have no idea. They wouldn't believe you if you went back no. in a time machine and told somebody in 1980 that gas is going to be seven dollars a gallon. They would not believe you if you told them a lot of shit that that happens today. Right. They wouldn't believe they just would their brain wouldn't know how to comprehend that the president says that men can breastfeed. They would not their 1980 brains could not wrap itself around that. And they're teaching it in schools and their religious yeah. leaders backing this stuff up and all the, you oh know, the, the, the borderline pornographic material that is available in some libraries and schools and hormone blockers and men can have they couldn't they pass out you know uh, boy you and i you and i jericho we could go uh, for hours on this stuff because you uh, you and i agree on almost everything here oh, well, well that time i lived in california were the last days that uh, california was actually a red state in fact uh as i can remember though as uh, before i left california 
I was uh, starting to witness the uh, turn into the abyss because I, I didn't know it then because I was only a teenager, but I'm seeing it happen here in Idaho, how things are changing and how, and uh, I, I see now that me living in California was the warning sign. Well, you know, I mean, I, the last election that I could not vote in was 1988 George H.W. Bush against Michael Dukakis. Right. Uh, the, the question was popped to Michael Dukakis, if Kitty Dukakis was raped and murdered, would you seek the death penalty? And he said no. And I remember I, I went to school the next day and kids were laughing at him, thinking, what a pussy. He's too soft on crime. If he were to run today, oh, he'd have Californians eaten off. He'd have oh, Californians yeah. e eaten out of his butthole. Yep. Oh, yeah. Glad. Oh, yep. Well, hell, uh, look, look at the situation you have in Los Angeles with that idiot district attorney who, uh, instead of putting people in jail, he's letting them out or not even charging them. Yeah, he's so, so easy on crime that there are criminals getting his name tattooed on him in thanks for letting them out of jail. And the guy a few months ago, that uh, former Olympian, Kim Glass, who was hit in the face with a 10-inch bolt uh, when she was coming out of a restaurant in L.A., the guy who did that was out early. And guess what he was locked up for in the first place? For beating up a woman. The guy who, that race car driver who got stabbed to death in L.A. a couple months ago, that guy was out yep. early. He was out early. So had these people, and even as a kid, I would hear about people getting sentences and then getting let out early for good behavior. Then why sentence them to that in the first place? I, that just seems so stupid. Don't give them that sentence if they're not going to serve that sentence. Like, it, it almost feels like you want the history books to say one thing, like, man, you were tough on crime. But in reality, the guy only served, you know, half of his sentence. And now... There's a law in the books. I had a, a lunch with a pretty prominent lawyer in the area. And they were telling me that in California, if you get a felony, chances are it's going to be knocked down to a misdemeanor. And then let's say you get 10 years. So you can say as governor, as whatever, I was tough on crime. Look at these sentences I handed out. But automatically their sentence is cut in half. So that 10 years becomes five. And under this new law, you only have to serve half of that time in custody. The other half is under strict supervision. So out of that five years, you're only doing two and a half years in the can. The other two and a half, you're under supervision from your parole officer. Sounds great, but the parole officer has a caseload of 900 people. So how in the hell is he going to keep an eye on anybody when there aren't enough days in the year? We don't have enough time to do it. So how? So these people are out early, real early, and not being supervised. So not only is that dangerous for us, but it tells those criminals, don't worry if you get busted again, we'll just slap you on the wrist again. So they're now they're emboldened. Now they're looking for trouble because they know I'm the Teflon Don. You know, Jericho, I'm I'm wondering if certain stories and uh, and, and books and movies I'm uh, were are they entertainment? Are they warnings or are they instruction manuals like George Orwell's 1984? One of my one of my favorite cheesy movies was uh, Demolition Man with uh, oh, Esther yeah. Stallone, Wesley Snipes. Yeah, and yep. and I'm thinking back to the scene in Demolition Man where um, that 
where that idiot in charge uh, who wants all that peace and harmony allows Wesley Snipes' character to unfreeze these prisoners with hard, a bunch of hard crimes. And then there's Wesley Snipes with a, with a bottle of beer surrounded by all these criminals. And, and he goes, I want you to rape. I want you to pillage. I want you to steal. Wow. Was, was that a warning? I think it might have been because that's basically what they're doing. You're, you're softening society while there's still these hardened criminals. And that they want it to be the dystopian. We all look the same. We all dress the same. We don't even touch each other anymore. We have virtual sex. So we're not having sex creating. Somebody's creating people. And side note, that very movie, Wesley Snipes, would be canceled today because the scene where he goes to the museum and he's looking for guns he goes if something was in chinese he goes chong 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 like that you can't do that somebody might be offended by that no you can't you can't entertain so that movie and other ones like you mentioned i throw in v for vendetta that's a maybe a more recent version of oh yeah i remember that one i remember that look at biden's speech last week that was from v for vendetta the black the red what he's talking about like i think we need to start studying movies. Damn the books. Let's go back and look at movies from the 80s and 90s because they're telling us exactly what's going to happen. Pussify and and tranquilize most of the society because you're always going to have some ruffians who aren't going to go for it. Push them underground, literally. So we're living in the sewers, running in fear from this tyrannical government. And there's going to be plenty of dummies who want to plug into the matrix Take care of me. Take my guns. Take it all. I don't want no responsibility. And just take care of me until I die. Give me everything electronically. I don't want to have to leave my house. There's that cartoon, Wally, where everybody in the future was just fat on a motorized cart. Everything was delivered. Everything was uploaded for them electronically. And they were happy with that. And those who lived outside of that, who wanted to have their own and think for themselves and provide, those were the weirdos. Those were the pariahs. You know, that's that's another interesting too. We got to wrap up here soon because we're running out of time. But uh, I wanted to mention this earlier too, uh, Jericho, as you talked about uh, how healthy food is expensive. And it's true, all food is expensive, no doubt. I mean, candy bars that I used to pay 50 cents for have gone up to almost $2 now. Oh. But the fact of the matter is, what's affordable? Hot dogs. Um ramen noodles, spaghettios, uh, all this processed food is what's what uh, people can afford. The healthy food? Oh, if you want to eat healthy, you better you better pay double, triple, quadruple. So, you know, the and that the, this obesity epidemic and all that. You know, I don't really want to get too much into conspiracy theories, but it's like, you know, obesity was a part of the plan to weaken us. Yep. Yeah, well, you go, you know, uh, during the the pandemic, they're telling you to get this shot is supposed to save your life. And if you get this shot, we will give you a one year free supply of Krispy Kreme donuts. They were giving people one year of free donuts, one year of free McDonald's. So how on one hand are you concerned with my health so much? that you're making this shot available everywhere. You're going to take shit away from me if I don't take it. I'm not allowed to go places if I don't take it. And for doing that, for taking your health seriously, I'm going to give you one year of some shit that's going to kill you. It's unbelievable. (laughs) 
Anyway, guys, uh, we are definitely out of time, and I want to thank you very much. Uh, uh, before we conclude, I want to give each of you a chance to plug yourselves. Of course, Robert, uh, uh, like I said, you're a walking, talking encyclopedia of boxing history. And by the way, on that note, rest in peace, Ernie Shavers. I had the opportunity to meet Ernie Shavers when I lived in Vegas. He And uh, let me tell you, he was a, he was a very humble and generous man and uh and and uh, a great champion uh but i guess muhammad ali needed another sparring partner up there so rest in peace ernie shavers but uh robert go ahead and uh go, uh, go ahead and uh plug your information okay um well i do the ringside i'm on the ringside reporter podcast from 6 p.m to 8 p.m every sunday I'm also on the Sports Lounge Live podcast, and we talk all sports. That's four to six every Tuesday. And if you would like to get in touch with me and have sports conversation or political conversation, you can call my Fillmore box and leave a message. It's area code 773-572-3034. And uh, just leave a message, uh, follow the instructions, uh, I will get your phone number, but I will not give it out. And I will not call you unless you ask me to do so. Because, um, you know, your your privacy is important. So if you want to talk politics or sports or anything like that, you can get in touch with me that way, and we'll go from there. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Jericho. Um, my number one platform is YouTube, uh, Jericho Green, as you see it on the screen right there. And I have a link tree and it has all my links. I'm on Rumble, Spotify, uh, Locals. I'm spread out all over the place. Uh, no Twitter. I got kicked off of there. Um, so and on Instagram, it's at JG Talk. And Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I do a live stream. So you want to interact, questions, comments. You know, it could go in different directions. You got people in the comments, you know, stuff they're saying, stuff they're asking. It's a lot of fun. Billy can tell you. You know, uh, it's pretty entertaining. We get some laughs out of that. Um, but, yeah, that's where you can find me. And, uh, again, man, I thank you for having me here. And pleasure uh, being on here with you, Robert. And I hope to, you know, call in or catch your podcast because boxing is a very interesting topic. And you start getting into the greatest of all time discussion, that shit can get wild. <laughs> like I said, Robert. Well, if, if, if you give me a call, Jericho, and we can exchange numbers, uh, I can definitely get into that with you. So Okay. Yeah, I'd love to pick your brain, man. You, you sound like you know oh. more than me, so uh, he, I'd, lo okay. I'd love to talk. He's a walk right. talking encyclopedia of boxing history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, guys, thanks a lot, and uh, take care. Thanks, man. See you later. Yep. And there you have outlaw radio conservative talk with jericho green and ringside robert uh thanks very much to them for joining the show all right time to go to the next music set coming up we got josh bricker gonna be followed by sepsis stuck mojo then we got a twin spin with bb jung king and the buddha heads and karen lovely be right back after this how dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. 
She's a smile in the morning with curls in her hair. She's a baby, don't look at me, but it's hard not to stay at an angel sitting right here in my room, singing her favorite song. I'm singing alone. She's a Friday night at home instead of going out. She's a baby, let's just order in. Watch movies on the couch And I said, yeah, babe That sounds okay with me As long as I'm with you I don't care what we do Cause
Yes, hello. This is Special Agent Webster with the Federal Security Agency in Washington, D.C. I'm uh, going to need a few moments of your time. Oh. Now, uh, since uh, the passage of the Patriot Act, our agency has been granted uh, extraordinary powers in the pursuit of terrorists and other threats to national security. I'm sure you're aware of this. Uh, that includes the ability to monitor electronic and digital information exchanges, uh, such as email and Internet use. You following me? I'm not following you with shit. Uh -huh. why you now, the reason for my call Arizona? is that in the course of one of our investigations, and I cannot obviously reveal any details of that investigation, <laughs> but in that course, we had reason to monitor the Internet usage at your address. Do you understand? Oh. Uh-huh. Now, the results show that someone at your address is using the Internet to view quite um, graphic images of a uh, sexual uh, nature, uh, images that are not legal under American law. Now, were you aware of this? Well, you'll get a chance to make a full statement later. Our agents will be uh, entering your home shortly. They will be seizing your computer, any related media, and uh, conducting a thorough search. Uh, I suggest strongly uh, that you cooperate with them. You've <laughs> just been pranked. Courtesy of prankowl.com. Thank you, you dabbing.
farm killings in South Africa have hit record highs, according to Genocide Watch. In the last 20 years, since Nelson Mandela's African National Congress has been in power, more than 4,000 white farmers have been killed. But 10 times that number of white South Africans have been brutally murdered in what many claim are racially motivated attacks. I don't know where these fears would come from. South Africa belongs to all who live in it, both black and white. And there's never been an intention to victimize whites. Our aim and the vision and the mission of the South African Police Service is to protect everybody. They threatened us with our lives and that they will rape the family. Because I've got a wife and a daughter. I told this to the police and they've done nothing about that. Personally, I think it's going to get worse. This is a serious matter because the torturing and the brutality that they use in these attacks is totally unacceptable. This is a matter that all of us should stand together and isolate white monopoly capital. The only two things left for you now is to get a very vicious dog, uh, many of them if you can, and arm, arm yourself, arm your family, arm everybody on your farm right now. If it's not for the guy who's going to jump over your fence tonight, it's going to be for someone, it could even be the government, who's going to appropriate your land right from under your butt. Honorable in Zimande, we have already started taking the land. If you vote against this, it's a waste of time. We are already giving our people the land and we are not ashamed of that. People of South Africa, where you see a beautiful land, take it, it belongs to you. I warn you that this is not going to go well. Um, I can't see anybody voluntarily giving up their land. For us um, capitalists, of course, it's nothing than systematic theft, justified theft, if you want, um, in the eyes of the socialists. Charles Bronson, the vigilante. I am Charles Bronson. On the top of the land, from the city to the 
You believe in Jesus? I only fear God. Well, you're going to meet him.
face was bruised as she kneeled to pray. She couldn't take it one more day. He's passed out cold from his drunken rage. Thunder rolled. It was the final stage. Went dim. She found herself standing over him. She heard the levee holding back the storm. Soon the river would be at the door. Still the rain. Wake him or help him sleep. Open up that door and let that river creep. God-fearing woman, you know she had her doubts, but she knew it was the only way out.
Still the rain came down Left-wing community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho are still up to their dirty tricks, teaching Idaho kids from cradle to college that white people are inherently racist. Now, these left-wing nuts are taking the whole race thing to a whole new level with critical race theory. According to critical race theory, teaching children math, arithmetic, is racist. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, racist. Can you say ridiculous? Malcolm X warned against critical race theory. It's very harmful. It's wrong. And the leftist nuts teaching this stuff to our children know it. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Join the fight against the teaching of critical race theory to Idaho's youngsters. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org at some point, you're going to want to consider this. If a national emergency or a natural disaster or even civil unrest should occur, where would you go? Seriously, where? Heading into the sticks with some MREs in a tent might be all right for a week or two, but then what? And who's around you? Who can help you if you need it? And how long would you last without the security and comfort of your own home? If you've asked yourself these questions, consider X-Point. Located in the beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota, a limited number of military-grade hardened shelters originally built by the U.S. government, 80 feet long, 26 feet wide, 12 and a half foot ceilings that you can custom build out to your own tastes. X-Point, a nine square mile city of like-minded people who know the best way to deal with a disaster is to distance yourself from it. If you've always wanted a real bug out bunker with the amenities of home, visit TerraVivos.com. T-E-R-R-A-V-I-V-O-S.com. X-Point. X marks your spot. Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one-size-fits-all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jigs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats. That's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with We The People Holsters. If you own a handgun, then you know you need the perfect holster to go with it. We The People Holsters are made right here in the USA by gun nerds who are not afraid to support our Second Amendment. Whether you want Kydex or leather, We The People Holsters has just what you need. We the People Holsters is the preferred option of professionals throughout the law enforcement industry, as well as those serving in the branches of the armed forces. Simply go to www.outlawradioabs.com, go to the store section, and click on the We the People Holsters banner to select the holster that's perfect for you. Don't wait 
Get your holster from We The People Holsters today. Maggie Hassan claims she's independent. Listen to her phony TV ad. I'm taking on members of my own party. She's trying to trick you because Maggie Hassan votes with Joe Biden over 96% of the time, and it hurts New Hampshire. Hassan voted for Biden's brutal tax increases on low-income Americans. She voted for new energy taxes that will raise heating oil prices even higher, just in time for winter. And Maggie Hassan cast the deciding vote for 87 thousand new IRS employees who will hassle the middle class with audits and threatening letters. On election day, remember, 96% is how often Maggie Hassan votes the party line. And if Maggie Hassan votes with the D.C. liberal crowd 96% of the time, that means she's voting 0% with New Hampshire, and she doesn't deserve your vote. Senate leadership fund paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertising. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.senateleadershipfund.org. Welcome back to LR Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, making men, men again. Songs you just heard, you just heard uh, Twin Spin, of course. Uh, the last song was by Karen Lovely, Still the Rain. Prior to that, Still the Rain by B.B. Chung King and the Buddha Heads. Before that, Stuck Mojo with Charles Bronson. Prior to that, Sepsis with Eyes of Empathy. And starting off the whole set, Josh Bricker with As Long As I'm With You. All right, moving right along. Going to go to Outlaw Radio World News with our good friend, Brett Sessoms. Here we go. Outlaw Radio World News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this edition of Outlaw Radio World News. I am once again joined by Brett Sessoms out of Mississippi. What's going on, brother? Hey, how you doing, Billy? Doing all right, doing all right. So uh, pretty soon I should have Colonel Wyatt back on after that that month-long trip uh, he had over in South Africa. I'm, I'm Pretty sure uh, he's got some things uh, to tell me, but uh, as he's uh, leaving, we got some things going on. Um, we got Becky Seeley making headlines again. Julius Malema running his mouth. What's going on? Okay, well, the South African Police Union recently came on SABC News and said that they want Becky Seeley ousted as police minister because he's not been doing his job. South Africa is home to 62 million people, one of the highest murder rates in the world. They average nearly 70 murders a day, actually 71 murders a day. And there's only 120, excuse me, 135,000 officers to patrol for 62 million people. And of those 135 of them, only 110,000 of them are patrolling the streets. So that is a big imbalance. And the police officers that are patrolling the streets, they're not properly trained. The police academies are not properly funded. 
and Becky Sealy seems to not be doing anything about it. And the police union is calling Becky Sealy out on it. And uh, mind you, this is this is people uh, both black and white. Yeah, well, the head of the South African police union is black, so. Well, of, of course, uh, now that the head of the, the South African police union, who who is that exactly? That I didn't know. Um, I honestly cannot remember his name right off the top of my head, but I do know uh, he did appear on the uh, on SABC calling for the ousting of Julius Malema. I mean, not Julius Malema, of uh, Becky Sule. Now, did, it, is he another one that's uh, put in there by the ANC or... I highly doubt it because if he's the head of the police union, I mean, he's just trying to represent police officers and um, not, he's a union representative elected by police officers, not necessarily by the government. And he, he's basically calling for the house to Becky Seeley. And normally a police union typically does not try to house their minister like this, but that just shows you how incompetent of a police minister Becky Seeley is. Okay, so to to understand uh, the titles a little bit, you have the gentleman we just talked about. So what you can say is basically uh, what uh, Becky Seeley is, is equivalent to what uh, um, uh, Hoover was to the FBI. Yeah, and he would be equivalent like to the mayor of New York City in terms of having power over a police department. That would be like a police department calling for the ousting of a mayor. And that highly does not happen, yeah, hardly ever. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so that that's better understandable. And I mean, like like I said before, uh, Cile has Cile has done absolutely nothing except uh, cause a lot of grief. Um, I'm I know that he uh, went to the uh, family of Brendan Horner after that horrific murder. However, what did he do for them? Nothing. I mean, that, uh, has there been any? It's been two years since uh, Brendan Horner. Has there been any justice done for that? No, there's not been any justice for that, and it's just it's it, it, it hasn't happened. It's comical. Well, it's not comical, but it's just sad with the situation with Becky Seeley. There's not been any justice, and. He can't properly patrol the townships, can't properly give farmer security or want farmers to have guns to protect themselves, but he can provide Julius Malama a police escort to come meet with him and um, to come meet with him, which Becky Seeley did. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, what Julius Malama did, he provided a police escort for Julius Malama and then him and Julius Malama met. I mean, the last time you and I were talking, uh, we were talking about this this very dis, uh, excuse of a human being who, uh, when Ian Cameron said, uh, you know, see it for yourself, he, you know, he he said, put your money where your mouth is, and all he can do is scream and say, shut up, I'm not a garden boy, and all that. Yeah, that's Becky Sealy for you. You look at him; he's old, he's senile, he's incompetent. He hasn't done anything good for the cops in South Africa, so you can't blame the police union for wanting to oust him on this. And cops are not ones to have problems with authority because that's why they wouldn't have become police officers in the first place. 
that sh shows you just Becky Seeley's level of incompetence. And it reached the police union. It reached this amount of trouble to go and call for the ousting of the head cop in the country. Now, South Africans economy, though, I mean, the, I mean, we're look at where we're at right now. Thanks to Joe Biden. And, uh, look, you know, uh, got to think that, uh, South Africa has been on a, on an economic decline for a little while now. They're, they're not far from uh, hitting that proverbial rock bottom. So I also have to assume, too, that a lot of police officers are probably pissed off because they probably haven't gotten any pay for a while. No, I mean, that, well, it depends. Well, the ANC has been so busy embezzling money that I don't think they've gotten pay raises for a while. Um, but then now the ANC is bankrupt. They've drained all the money. They've spent all the money on themselves, and they just don't have any left over. And there's a lot of infighting within the ANC now between uh, and the lot Mini Zuma, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, is Zuma's wife, and then Cyril Ramaphosa. They're going to run against each other for a for ANC leadership. It's just all a cluster. Well, considering too, Jacob Zuma took how many million? millions of rands from what I understand equivalent of about uh, 5 million American dollars is what he took to have his uh, his mansion built in Naklanda. Yeah, and to have the South African Fire Department fill up his pool with a water hose. Of course, uh, we're, we're talking about a man who said he was going to pay back the money and then uh, once the taxpayers start paying the debt, they're all pissed off. So it it goes to court, and this is um, so the court decides. You know what, Comrade Zuma does not have to pay back a fucking thing. You're gonna pay his bill. That's what they did. I know it's uh it's just a mess now. To uh, with uh, with that, and then. Yeah, Julius Malema, when he was chairman of the ANC Youth League, before he went and formed the EFF, he said he would kill for Jacob Zuma. Then he, then he started a movement in the EFF that said Zuma must fall. Then he supported the people in Brazil and Italian rioting over Zuma's imprisonment. Then he visits Jacob Zuma and makes amends to Jacob Zuma. So I don't know what the, what the hell is going on. Well, that, that's Julius. He has flip-flopped on so many political issues. It's not even funny. And now Julius Malema, there was a guy from the Patriotic Alliance. It's a little more more conservative than the ANC and the FF, but not much. Patriotic Alliance is still pretty radical leftist. But uh, a guy named Kanene of the Patriotic Alliance called Julius Malema a cockroach. Well, Julius Malema got, is so thin-skinned and so sensitive, he's taking Kanene to the equality court. Never mind that the EFF, and he's always singing, kill the boar, kill the farmer, shoot to kill. And, and and that case is going to be brought up to the South African high courts. And the high courts better rule against it. I mean, a better rule that it's hate speech. Because it blatantly is. It's constantly killing somebody. But according to Julius, that's okay. But you better not call me a cockroach. So that is how thin-skinned, petty, pathetic, and entitled that piece of crap is. So this person they called uh, Malema a cockroach, I mean, I have to assume they must be white. No, no, okay, his last name is Kanene. He's black. Um, okay. Yeah, but still, being called a cockroach, he's going to take somebody to the, to the quality court. 
but he can call for the killing of somebody, the shooting of somebody, and we're supposed to, everybody's supposed to be okay with it. Call for the looting, the burning down of stores like he did clicks. We're supposed to be okay, but no, if somebody calls me a cockroach, I'm taking you to the equality court. Uh, yeah, and that's what he's doing. I mean, you, you got to think back, uh, oh, a few, about two or three years ago when uh, it was, uh, oh, God, what the hell's his name? Uh, uh, now, I I usually remember this stuff, but it kind of slipped my mind for the moment here. But, uh, oh, yeah, uh, the head of uh, Black First Land First. Uh, I'm delayed, man. Sama. Yeah. It's his last name's hard to pronounce. It's spelled M-N-G-Z-I-T-A-M-A. And and, but we call him. His last name's hard to pronounce. Everybody calls him Andile. But yeah, Andile. And, I know who you're talking and, about. And Andile Minthoma, yeah, you got to put a click in there you to say it right. Um, if you're not from South Africa, the odds are you're not going to be able to say it. So, I mean, and I've only heard one white person properly pronounce it, and that was Ronaldo House. Um, but, uh, regardless, uh, you know, I watched him, they, they kill one black person. We kill five white people. And, and then 1.5 is going all over Twitter. Uh, that worthless cocksucker that, uh, I had a debate with Lindsay Massdorp, um, after there was a, a horrific farm attack, he put, he, he posted on his Twitter and uh, put, so, uh, he puts the link up there to Twitter and puts 1.5. Now, I mean, at least they're saying they're saying up front what their intentions are, but uh, Malema's always got to be so sneaky about it. What's this? Uh, he's not saying kill the boar. He's saying kiss the boar. Also, yeah, and he has a white lawyer and a white security guard, and then he says, we're not calling for the slaughtering of white people, but then he would pause and go, at least for now. Um, he would fire a gun over his crowd. The security guard took the gun away from him, granted, uh, but do things like that. But yeah, Julius Malema, here's the difference. Black First Land First was outlawed in South Africa. EFF was not. Black First Land First would not allow white members, but the EFF does. Now, why any white person would want to join the EFF? Hell, I know. Oh, hell, well, there, there are a few. There's many, but some. And a couple of them are old school boars. Believe it or not. And you can find it on YouTube. A couple of Afrikaner boars, uh, ages are right around 60, you know, who have, uh, who, who have been there since, uh, the, uh, the kind of the, the bigger days of apartheid during the eighties, they, they jump ship and join the EFF. I don't, I don't get that. No, and that, but th that's the difference that Julius says the difference between him and Andile. He allows white members in his organization. Andile doesn't, but Julius Malema calls for the killing of white people. Um, there have been white people in his organization before the slightest thing goes wrong. He blames them. It's not like, and he's calling for the killing of a certain group. So it's not like, even though Julius does allow white members in his party, it doesn't mean he's not calling for their killing. Because he basically uh, is. Oh, oh! I mean, uh, come on, Julius, Julius Malema and and Dealey are, are two peas in a pod. You know that the two of them are no different, except uh, one doesn't hide his intentions. I mean, it, it was and Dealey that he put on Twitter 
that a uh, white person uh, came up to him and, and told him that if they were black, they'd be doing the same thing he was doing and, and applauded uh, his efforts. And then he ends the tweet with, it's as, and I quote, on that great day of reckoning, my machete will not hesitate. Uh, I, I know, and that is sick. He recently appeared on SABC, and I admire Steve Biko. He's not equal to Jesus Christ or anything, but Steve Biko, he got killed by the apartheid government on September 12, 1977. And I, uh, and he, we need to remember his legacy. It was, 40, it was 45th anniversary of his death. Okay. That part I agree with Andile on. But Andile was talking about how South Africa should not be united against the ANC because if they unite in ousting the ANC, that South Africa may have a white president, John Steenhays, and head of the DA, and that they they may be ran by white people. Well, the DA is not a majority white party. It's a majority colored party and quite a few blacks. It's not, it's from maybe 20, 30% white. But that's a different video for a different day. But on people like Andile don't want the ANC to stay in power because never mind that Steenhays will be a better president than Ronald Post. It doesn't matter. Andile does not want a white president. It, it doesn't matter if Who's pre if if it's a white president, no matter what they're going to do for the country, he's going to have a fit about it. That you can guarantee. Yeah, and that's what he talked about on his SABC interview. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I had, I had thoughts about rain uh, just a few minutes ago. But yeah, he he. It doesn't matter if, if they're white, no matter how good of a president they're going to be, he's going to have a fit about it, like you pointed out. And then I I noticed one other thing too. I mean, it's been a a few years since. Uh, I, I interviewed Tara Lakota, and I, I still, I love that guy, mind you, um, about uh, his political party, COPE. Oh, boy. I, They're not coping. And I like I like Lakota, but he's getting old. You could see when the fighting was going on around him, he didn't have to know what was going on. It's just, he's, I've seen his interviews. He's getting old, a little bit senile. I like the guy, but I think he needs to step down, but... The party, there's so much infighting there. That's going to help keep the ANC in power. And then they had this idiot counselor, city counselor in Joburg. I cannot remember her name worth anything. But she is trying to oust the mayor of Johannesburg, Mo Falatse, who's been a good mayor for the Democratic Alliance and for South Africa, for Joburg. And, but she says, I have an obligation to my constituents, but some of these lower key parties like in the ACDP or Coke that are voting to oust these DA people in the cities like Joburg and Swane, they uh the head of the ACDP, Kenneth, uh I can't pronounce his last name, but Kenneth, he he believes these councillors are being bribed by the ANC. And the councillors that do vote to oust these DA people, they're not saying why they voted this way or they're giving a very weak excuse. I think the ANC are bribing these counselors from these lower parties to try to vote to oust these people. Brett, let me and, ask and here's, they, well, here's the reason they say that no confidence motions are happening. It's because they say the DA is acting arrogant, but they're not giving specific examples. But go ahead. Now, let me ask you one other thing, because, uh, you know, Stephen James and I were talking about this uh, on the uh, one video that I did, uh, basically, uh, yeah, just recently kind of had a little beef with uh, Scott Balson. But, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people ask me, you know, as, as why, why do I talk about uh, South Africa? You know, I founded the Bearded Patriots, which, uh, you know, is, is pretty much exclusive uh, to as a patriotic uh, organization for the USA. But uh, And so why do I pay so much attention 
to South Africa. And I, I said, you, you got to pay very close attention to what's going on over there because we seem to copy everything they do. I mean, they, even though I, I don't agree with apartheid, it was during apartheid that uh, they had a, a, a awesome, awesome economy. And, you know, in fact, uh, they surpassed us for a little while. You know, first uh, successful heart transplant took place in South Africa. And uh, then, uh, you know, of course, uh, Mandela comes in. It's the it's the end of apartheid. And, um, you know, the the ANC, I mean, Mandela did the job that he could do, but I think he was too old to, to even be in that position by the time he took the job, because otherwise he probably would have had a second term. And then, I mean, once M Mandela left office, that's when things really started to go down that, uh, that proverbial abyss right there. And, uh, you know, the, I mean, the farm murders have been going on for quite some time now. But uh, I'm, I'm starting to think with... Well, sorry about that. Go, go ahead. I'm starting to think that, uh, you know, with the way that uh, Joe Biden has opened the border here in our country and... And uh, very few of them that are coming over from the Mexican border are, actually, are real Mexicans. You know, some of them, they've, they've caught Asians in that crowd. They've, you know, I'm wondering, since, uh, you know, some of the 9-11 terrorists came over from Mexico and got, they learned how to speak Spanish and, and obtained uh, Mexican identities and came over as Mexicans. You know, I mean, that hey, their skin tones all. Uh, almost identical so it's you know it was, a, it was a clever disguise you know so here here they are coming in from over the border and we think you know chicago's dangerous we think la's dangerous we think atlanta's dangerous detroit whatever but uh now it's only a matter of time you know we we got to start watching our rural areas just like they they have to yeah. in south africa right now well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it if it's going to get to that point necessarily, but I do know there are some areas in Mississippi that have chose to hire white South Africans uh, to work as farmhands, and there have been a handful of black um, farmhands that are saying they're losing their jobs to white South Africans. Um, that's not true. I mean, what what is going on is a lot of these farmhands were farmers in South Africa, or they were heirs to farms, and they kind of got pushed out because of the state of South Africa. And these people, typically a lot of farmers' kids nowadays in, in the Mississippi Delta, they don't want to take over their dad's farms like they used to. So the farmers are thinking these people may take over the farm when I'm dead and gone, because the for farmers worldwide, the farm means a lot to them, and they want to continue it after they're gone. Yes. Yes. And uh, just one other thing, too. I mean, uh, this, you know, I mean, I really got no love for Scott Balson, but uh, there he did do a live stream that uh, was rather interesting. Uh, Brett, uh, how much do you know about uh, uh, Irania? I support Irania. So did Mandela. Um, he, I, I, Irania is not a whites only place. It's a place to preserve Afrikaner culture. Blacks, coloreds, and Indians can live there, provided they speak fluent Afrikaans, and I believe if they were adopted by an Afrikaner family. Now, don't quote me on that second part. But if they speak fluent Afrikaans and are merged into Afrikaans culture, 
anybody can live there. It's not a whites only town. See, now the impression that I get is, uh, you know, it could be whites only. However, it's how far you, you say white goes. And uh, the, no, know. I mean, it's not. It's an Afrikaner culture. Exactly. It's a, if somebody who's black, colored, or Indian is emerged in Afrikaner culture and they may or may not have to be adopted by an Afrikaner family, don't quote me on that second part. But if they're fluent in Afrikaans and emerged in Afrikaner culture and that's their main culture, anybody can live there. It seems more like a reservation like we have for Native Americans here, more or less, for a reservation for Afrikaners. I mean, one of the books the, the, the city hall has there is Mandela's book, Long Walk to Freedom. Mandela approved it. They said it. He said it was not a racist town. He said it was just a place to preserve Afrikaner culture, and that's what Arania is. Um, I would, like I said, it's in the middle of nowhere, but I would like to visit Arania. I mean... You know, people say what they want to say about Irania, but people in Irania, they don't have to lock their doors at night. They can leave their keys in the ignitions when they go to the store. And there have been several black tribal leaders that aren't Afrikaans, but can stay at the various hotels in Irania, and they stay there as guests and are treated very well. See, and that's just the thing, too, that I'm, I'm talking about. You know, I mean... Uh... They obviously, they can't, they can't really live there, but it's not like they can't step foot in there. Just like, you know, I mean, I can, I can go to pretty much any reservation on the, in this country. However, can I live in these reservations? Uh, there's on, only one that I can since I'm part Cheyenne. Otherwise, uh, you know, I can't, I can't go to a Crow reservation or a Sioux reservation. These reservations are there. I mean, what re reservations were, um, they're not the same thing as what they were when uh, there were there was a lot of uh, colonizing going on here in America, where they put them somewhere and they say you don't have to hunt anymore. We're going to take care of you. They actually these reservations are a significant chunk of land where they can preserve their culture, and that's exactly what Irania is. Yeah, and there's nothing like I said. There's nothing wrong with Irania. Anybody who criticizes Irania as a racist or backwards town. They just don't know what they're talking about. I mean, like I said, and you do not have to be white to live there. That is not the thing. You can be any race or color. You just have to speak Afrikaans fluently and have Afrikaner culture as your main culture. You and, and blacks, coloreds, or Indians can live there. I mean, like I said, they just have to do those two things. Speak Afrikaans fluently and have Afrikaner culture as their main culture. All right. Well, uh, Brett, we are out of time for this segment. I want to thank you very much for joining me. And uh, before we go, uh, once again, go ahead and give yourself a plug. Uh, if you're on, uh, you got YouTube, you got social media. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, my YouTube channel is Brett Sessoms, but um, I have an emergency call on my other phone, so I got to let you go. But thank you very much, Billy. All right. Take care. All right. Well, Brett had to leave in kind of a hurry. Uh, totally understandable. And that wraps up this edition of Outlaw Radio. On tap for next week is yet to be determined. We're going to end the show with, hey, we got a comical one here, Scuzz Twitly, and I like boobs. Thank you very much for tuning into Outlaw Radio, and I will be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. 
We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio. I like big ones, small ones, size of basketball ones, real ones, fake ones, jiggle when the shake ones, ta-tas, honkers, man, they drive me bonkers. I really, really, really like boobs. I like white ones, black ones, let me lick the crack ones, party hats and beaver tails, nice and soft, your heart as nails, Hershey kisses, runny eggs, on your back and spread your legs. I really, really, really like boobs. Fun bags, hooters, take a look at these. Come on, can't you give me just a nitty bitty squeeze? Whip them out and get them suckers swinging in the brace. Just show me all your boobs, I'm begging pretty, pretty please. I like pink nipples, brown nipples, dragging on the ground. Nipples, hokey pokey, pickle jugs, nips the size of coffee mugs. Love it when it's cold outside, nowhere for the nips to hide. I really, really, really like boobs. Sweaters, push your bras, I don't mind the little flaws. Third nipple, that's okay, just gives me more time to play. Bacon juice and shriveled up, I can work with any cup. I really, really, really like boobs. Cha cha snockers, a set of double days. Come on, can't you give me just a nitty bitty squeeze? Honey, baby, sugar, titch, you got me on my knees. Just show me all your boobs, I'm begging pretty, pretty, please. I like no bras, wet shirts, like it when the milk squirts, small and perky, big and bold, nurse me like I'm two weeks old, Dixie cups and Yankee doodles, they sure straighten out my noodle, really, really, really like boobs. I like fat ones, lean ones, stick my dick between ones, firm ones, floppy ones, even like the sloppy ones, kind of titty smelling size, I just want the booby prize, I really, really, really like boobs. Yammers, Yahoo, Selma, and Louise. Come on, can't you give me just a nitty bitty squeeze? Your dingle bobbers make me slobber, don't you be a tease? Just show me all your boobs, I'm begging pretty, pretty, please. Hey everyone, Bad Billy here. Do you own a business? Or perhaps you're in a band. Or maybe you run a radio show or podcast. Whatever you do, you want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than fresh-baked tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from fresh-baked tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better. Get the best night's sleep in the whole wide world and more with MyPillow, pillows, and other products. Are you and your family prepared for the next unplanned emergency? Visit MyPatriot Supply and purchase buckets of food with a 25-year shelf life. Check out 
got We the People holsters, made in America by gun nerds who are not afraid to support and stand up for their Second Amendment rights. The Tactical Brotherhood is veteran-owned, and the gear and other products they sell are all American-made. A portion of your purchases go to support organizations for veterans. At ConcealedCarry.com, find news, get firearm instruction, and buy accessories and apparel. Visit OutlawRadioABS.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. We are proudly sponsored by One of a Kind Art 43, created by professional artist Tammy Blackman. Tammy offers free consultations and will customize your art piece to fit your needs. Each of her pieces are, as the name suggests, is one of a kind because each are personalized pieces and once she is done, there will never be another. If you are interested, go visit Tammy on her social media pages, Facebook and TikTok by searching One of a Kind Art 43, where Tammy broadcasts her work and she's making custom tumblers or canvas art for another satisfied customer. You can always reach out to Tammy through her email at oneofakindart43 at gmail.com or call 409-234-5156. Although the prices vary, the quality is unmatched. Again, her social media pages are one of a kind with underscores between each word, followed by the word art and the number 43. Thank you again, Tammy, for another presence on this show. Pancakes. Hot, fluffy, delicious pancakes smothered in butter and warm maple syrup. Growing up in foster care, Terrence Williams always dreamed about big family gatherings around the breakfast table with Grandma in the kitchen, cooking up a big family breakfast. As a kid, he could almost smell that intoxicating aroma of those delicious hot and fluffy pancakes. As an adult, he has cultivated his love for cooking and his passion for food into his line of Cousin T's pancake mixes. I'm talking gourmet pancakes here. Go to CousinTees.com. Browse all the pancake choices, including buttermilk, apple cinnamon, blueberry, and various limited edition pancake mixes. Show the world how much you love Cousin T's pancakes with Cousin T's apparel and drinkware. Go to CousinTees.com. C-O-U-S-I-N-T-S.com. Cousin T's, y'all, the best pancakes you have ever had. You can't count for these pancakes. Get yours today. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. 
visit our official website at OutlawRadioABS.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Yeah. <laughs>